The it doesn't make a difference, guy. I fucking hate the oh, it doesn't really make a difference anyways, guy. Yeah, so uh, there was an incident. Oh, by the way, recording this on uh, what's it? Uh, shit, April thirtieth, two thousand twenty-three for the archives. Um, Jesus, this thing is so uncentered. Kind of like my whole life right now. Um, uh, I am the center of my universe. Um, and that's kind of the problem. Um, I'm like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> well, without the HIV and AIDS and all that stuff. Um, but I am getting a cool mustache. Um, but yeah, the it doesn't make a difference. It's it's these it's this self imposed. I don't know if it's ego or always feeling like you've got to try to tell someone of hey, um, I actually know what the fuck I'm. I know what the fuck I'm doing. It's like really because your first day on the job and it really doesn't look like you know what the fuck you're doing. So, I'm not going to tell you my job, but I don't give a fuck. I'll say it at my job. I don't even, you know, I've been contemplating a lot of things anyways, you know. The boy's kind of losing his shit, and uh, this guy didn't help. Maybe this was a spiral. This this new dude, um, there's nothing worse than when a new person at the job comes in with a, oh, I, I hey, I know what the fuck I'm doing type of energy to them. And it's like, you know what, sometimes people, you know, they do kind of know what the fuck they're doing. He wasn't one of them. It's quite the opposite. The way this dude was trying to carry shit, it looked like this dude has never lifted anything in his life. I'm not talking about his body or physique. I mean, literally the way this guy would try to pick up things and carry things, you'd be like, did you just like live in a barn and just stuck in hay and didn't have to do nothing? Um, This dude, so at my job, there's these trailers and nearby, there's these rollers where you roll heavy shit down. You roll it down. So basically, you only have to maneuver something about five to six feet, roughly. But this dude was trying to pick it from the complete beginning at the end. So this dude was trying to carry like 100 plus pound boxes. Like 30 to 40 feet. And I was I kept seeing him doing this like, hey, you know, hey, you know, it'd probably be easier. And I, I didn't even mean condescend. I literally said, hey. Might be easier if you just, well, typically, you know, we roll it down and you typically carry it from point A to point B, you know, make it easier on yourself. It doesn't matter how strong, how weak you are, how inexperienced you are or not. Lifting something five feet compared to 30 feet is a pretty big difference, no matter the weight. And this man said, with the straight face, with a type of, um... With the type of angst and type of putback, like he was trying to get back at me, like, oh. And this man said, uh, I, it doesn't make a difference, anyways. It doesn't really make a difference. Hmm? Okay. I looked at him, and I wasn't even, I just looked at him like, all right. And I just, I just walked, you know what? I was having a good day that day. If he would have asked me on a day like today, I would have just been like, oh, really? Doesn't make a fucking difference. It doesn't make a difference. Five feet compared to 30 feet. Going six times the distance since you're so fucking smart. Doing something six times harder doesn't make a damn difference. It doesn't. Okay. No, you know what? Fuck me. You know what? It doesn't make a difference when you try to help people. 
This is why I hate to become. Oh, I'm a sour now. This is why I never try to help no one because everyone just kind of says, like, you know what? Now I kind of get why people are just like, you know what? Just let fucking people fall on their own. Like, I could tell, like, dude, you have a terrible scoliosis of a back. You look like if FarmersOnly.com met the old sitcoms, The Oblongs. Like, you look, mm, I'm not, see, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'm not going to criticize someone's appearance, but I am going to criticize the fact that you have that appearance and have the audacity to tell me of how something doesn't make a difference when it comes to moving shit. It's what I do technically for a living is I move shit. And you're going to tell me it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, you know what? You're back not having it. Hey, it doesn't make a difference. The way you were like basically bending over. And trying to lift everything with your snell looking back doesn't make a difference. Hey, you know what? And it's just the way we are in today's world. Nothing makes a difference. Nothing fucking matters. When you try to help people, they just spit in your face, fart in your face, and tell them doesn't make a difference anyways. You know what? Maybe you would have much more of a less shittier attitude if you actually thought that some things would make a difference. The it doesn't make a difference guy. I fucking hate that it doesn't make a difference guy. Because you know what? Everything makes a difference. Technically. Not to get too technical here. But no matter what. Whether it's better or worse. Nothing is technically this constant state. You're always making a difference for better or worse. How are you going to tell someone. And he came off as someone that's like a technical analytical type of person like uh well actually uh he didn't have that type of voice but it was like you definitely tell like he would always be one to correct every little thing it's like well maybe in certain areas you could correct me on some shit this ain't one of them um the it doesn't make a difference guy um i just want to tell you it would make a big difference in your life and people that interact with you if you actually thought that, hey, certain things made a difference. As Drake would say, the boy was just trying to help a guy. <coughs> Jesus, uh, never leave your microphone hanging out around where cats like to fucking march around. I feel like I'm literally breathing cat hair right now. Cat hair right now. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, this man... And I haven't seen him since, by the way. Ever since that day. I think it was the second day on the job. I've not seen him since. So, hey, I guess uh, after all, it didn't make a difference. Uh, welcome to episode 189 of the Often Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I am your host, Clint Nelson. Uh, don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Because trust me. It makes a difference. Oh, Jesus. I'm never going to let that down. Oh, God. I just... Ah. Certain people, man. Just like the things they say to you, like, we, we live in this... Oh, uh, we live in this culture. Like, I don't know nothing about... We live in a world where it's very... How about this? Instead of saying we live in a culture, we live in society. How about we just say we live in a area where it's very common that X, Y, and Z happen. We live in a very... Uh... I guess a place in life right now where people have this heavy need to always just like 
if someone's trying to help you or just trying to give you like, hey, you know, hey, you know, if you need help, like it's this refusal of not just direct help, but just where I don't know what's worse, actually just like physically trying to help someone when they can't, when they're having trouble with something, picking up something. Or if you were to tell someone like, hey, it might be easy if you try to do this because it's like almost like you're insulting <coughs> their intelligence or the thought process or their capabilities. It's like, no, I'm just, if you're new, like if you're new to a job and you have no like general awareness of doing that type of stuff, like if someone's trying to help you, they're just trying to help you. Like we live in this refusal to help do it all on my own. It's like, you know what? Doing all your own, you're going to be in the hospital for seven months. Do all your own. You're going to be homeless on the street. It's okay to accept help. It's okay to accept advice. It's okay to learn and not act like you fucking know it all. Especially when what you're participating, it's obviously you don't know barely anything. All right? You know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And there's certain people that would help you more in what your weaknesses are. And that's why there's certain people that will never fucking grow. God damn it. And don't even get me started on the fucking I'm a fitness influencer. That's why I shop at Whole Foods. That makes no fucking sense. (coughs) Jesus Christ, there's cat hair on this microphone. I really should have. I literally didn't see this hair until I started recording. And I was like, well, I'm already deep in. Um, But the fit, there was this guy. I'm not going to say where. Um, You could probably fill in the blanks of where. Um. But I was just enjoying my lunch, let's just say, sitting at an area in a break room, I guess I gave it away, uh, with other people enjoying their break, and you know, in the break room you conversate with random people, and I wasn't a part of this conversation, but I think I, I pick up more from conversations I'm not involved in than the ones I do, because when you're not involved in the conversation, you actually kind of hear you kind of hear things more for what they are. And then you kind of actually get more upset when you hear some bullshit or when you hear some like, are you, did you just fucking say that? And that's what happened. Because when we were hearing these, you know, people talking about, oh, bringing their food to work and not to work and stuff like that, what they make and what they don't make. And this dude was one of those dudes is like, well, actually, you know, I've been, you know, I used to eat white rice, but white rice has this and brown rice has this. So actually, I just, I shop at Whole Foods. It's like, that doesn't mean the rice you get at Whole Foods doesn't have the stuff you were saying was in the other rice. Um, And he was talking about how broke he is and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, maybe shopping at Whole Foods, not in your budget. And maybe just the thought that Shopping on Whole Foods doesn't automatically mean you have a better diet than someone that shops at, I don't know, Kroger. Because um, you know what? They all have essentially the same stuff. It's just branded different. But this man said, well, I'm a fitness influencer, so I have to shop at Whole Foods. And as someone who actually watches, quote unquote, technically what you would call fitness influencers, content creators, you know where most of them actually shop at? A lot of them actually shop at Costco. And they'll go to like a farmer's market here and there. And I've seen a couple of people go like Sprouts, which is like a Dollar General version of Whole Foods. And it, that's a compliment, by the way. Um, 
But a lot of them actually shop at Costco because you could buy a lot of effective bulking stuff at reduced rates and you don't have to shop as often, which when you are living that quote unquote fitness lifestyle and that's your lifestyle and you have other shit to do, shopping every week and spending an exorbitant amount of money is not the answer. <laughs> and this man had the audacity to say, I'm a fitness influencer. It's like, first of all, this reminded me of an old podcast episode I did of a friend of mine whose girlfriend was a quote-unquote uh, social media influencer, which basically, in her case, indicated I take pictures every two months, lazy pictures of outfits and filters, and post on Instagram and get about 300 likes, have less than 1,000 followers, and call myself an influencer. I got the same vibe here, all right? I'm not criticizing anyone that has more followers or nothing like that. That's not what I'm saying. But you don't, But you can't call yourself an influencer if you're not really influencing things. Yeah, I can still say, regardless of how many people I've watched or listened to my podcast at a given time, I can still say I'm a podcaster because you know what? Technically, I have a fucking podcast. I didn't say I'm a podcast influencer. I didn't say I'm reinventing the podcasting landscape, I just have a podcast. You can't say you're a fitness influencer just because you pay for overpriced grass-fed lion ass, all right? Or whatever the fuck at Whole Foods. Just because you pay exorbitant amount to eat at a salad to get a fucking exorbitant salad for $11.50. <coughs> I like Whole Foods. But what the fuck does Whole Foods know about? <laughs> uh, sorry, I had a Kanye moment. Cameras? What the fuck does Gaga know about cameras? <laughs> what the fuck does social media influencers know about Whole Foods? And vice versa. And I have someone close to my life that hates Whole Foods. Not that they necessarily hate the food, but they hate, you know, their how technically they kind of actually fuck up the... I don't know, like, they basically fuck up the infrastructure of livestock and shit like that. They're actually not very good. I don't know about all that shit. But all I know is, you don't need to be a social media influencer to shop at Whole Foods. And you don't need to shop at Whole Foods to be a social media influencer. But, what that did, is it gave me a glimpse in a mind of how people focus on everything except the actual thing. Focus all the surroundings of how you think the presentation of what you do or what you want to do actually looks like instead of actually putting the time and effort and actually really being able to think for yourself of what it means to do what you want to do. Like, you don't have to have a fancy podcast setup to do a podcast. You don't have to go on these fancy trips to be an adventurer. You don't have to um, do all the generic stuff that you think this kind of person does to do that kind of thing. And it's just wild to me that just hearing that, it, it made me chuckle, right? It made me chuckle, not criticizing the person, but it just kind of made me laugh like, 
that oh so that's that's what this dude thinks this is that's what this dude thinks being a social media like oh it's about where you shop it's not about the food you're getting it's not about the quality for the conduciveness to your training to make your body look a certain way what it's about and you would rather he kept talking about like you know yeah it's hard to shop there and you know, not have money and stuff like that. It's like, well, maybe you should shop at a place that's cheaper to and still get essentially the same stuff. And then if you want to go there when you have the money, then go there when you have the money. But don't sit here and talk about being a fitness influencer. Like, no offense, but he didn't exactly have the charisma of what I would consider an influencer. Um, but yeah fucking whole food it's the fact that people think that if you do this that means it equals quote unquote this it's like no it's about the time and the effort and the work you put into it and anything that takes self endeavors that you want to do ah god fucking whole foods i've taken two girls on dates there and i have a problem with whole foods like, I've never been so proud to, like, have a salad be weighed. Like, I remember, uh, I wouldn't even say day, but I went and met up with a girl there. I, I had an interest in years, years and years ago. Um, and, you know, we met there because it was, like, a midpoint where she lived and I live or whatever. And we went somewhere nearby, not the point, you know. Um, of course, we went to the buffet, salad, other stuff. And we went to, and I remember, because I was a young man at the time, I was like, oh yeah, when she sees me pay for this, she's kind of, she's going to open wide, baby. Um, And of course, she did the old natural, like, girl, like, oh, like, she went up there and acted like she's going to pay for it, and I'm like, stop. (laughs) Stop what you're doing there, honey. And I didn't see how much it was. Because she already weighed it, and the register was like, "No, nah, I got it." And I did the whole like rush my card in there. The next thing you know, I just paid thirteen dollars and twenty eight cents for an oversized salad with, I think she snuck in some like paleo chicken or some shit. And I really thought I did something, but then I forgot. Like, damn, I didn't even pay for mine yet, so I had to pay for mine separate and pay extra taxes. So I really just played myself. Um, and she never opened wide for me, but that's okay. Things work out for the best. Um, just, uh, not when you were making nine an hour at the time, I basically wasted two hours of my life, two hours of my pay for fucking, maybe that's why I have angst towards whole foods because that one time I spent two hours of my pay for some bullshit food. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, young, young love. Um, but yeah, uh, that means this was episode 189? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, <coughs> sorry about the coughing and stuff. I've been having them. Um, I've been trying to record. I've been wanting to record the past couple of days, but I literally haven't been able to talk. It's been slightly getting better. So, you know, episodes will come out when they come out. I was on a roll there for a while, but then my voice fucked up and some shit. But, uh... Yeah. Oh, Jack Harlow dropped a Jack man. Yeah, Jack Harlow. Um, surprise drop album. Pure is just a pure 
the thing is, like, I only saw that he was dropping an album, I think, like, most because he basically, I think, put a post, like, two days before the album, I think, like, on Wednesday. It's like, Friday, the 28th, I'm dropping an album, and I saw the title, and I'm like, oh, he picked a street, he's shirtless, showing off a little gains, serious, it's like, oh, he's about to drop some shit, like, good shit. And the album actually matches the tone of the album. The only thing is, I got off work, and I was actually excited, like, damn, I get off at 11, album drops at 12, damn, like, things are lining up. So I go sit down somewhere. I'm like, shit, all right, I have this plan. I'm going to listen to the album while I'm working on this because I like doing that Simon Taser while listening to music. Then the album drops. I pull up it, and I see, okay, 10 songs, and I look and I see 24 fucking minutes. That means, like, every song is, like, two and a half minutes. Some of the, like, half the songs were, like, less than two minutes. And I was like, oh, shit. I was disappointed because it was 24 minutes. Um, then I started playing, and, like, Hmm, okay, he comes out swinging. I'm not going to go through the track list and stuff like that, but I, I thought it was a pretty good album. I actually liked it. I really enjoyed it. It's definitely better than his last album. Um, it's a lot more just pure, straight through, like a very rap mixtape, but a little soulful uh, beat production type of feel. Um, I'm not gonna lie, like, the one that everyone kind of likes, the gang, 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 like, at first, like, I was like, oh, shit, this shit is heavy, and the more you listen to it, it's like, damn, like, I hate to be anyone named Marcus and Kevin, um, <laughs> that, I think, I wonder if rappers or any artists ever think that, when they use names and songs that aren't directly anyone, so they use, like, like, Courtney from Hooters on Peachtree, like, now, any Courtney, any Courtney that's near Hooters or near Peachtree, she, that, that's who she is. Any now, anyone that's named Marcus and Kevin, they're either a, you know, uh, I don't want to get debunked in the algorithm, but they're either a grapist or they're a uh, child predator. Um, I'm trying to be better about not cursing, even though I feel like I've already cursed a lot. But, um, but yeah, I actually like the album. And it's weird, you know, uh, there were, there was something that stuck out that I guess I kind of want to talk about a little is I think it's in Common Ground, that song, where he talks about how we got music reviewers, basically critics and stuff who are judging hip hop and urban music. We got suburban, we got suburban kids judging hip hop music, reviewing it, urban and all this stuff. Judging what hip hop is and who's in it and who is and who isn't. It's kind of like this. He's basically putting it back on the reviewer like, hey, you're pro like you always. And it, it, one thing I'll notice, I noticed about music reviewers, especially white music reviewers, I've noticed, especially in hip hop. They are much more harsher on white rappers because I feel like they've got to show like, oh, I'm not like all these other white people. That, oh, we, we have to have our, like, uh, American white kid NBA. We, we got to have our Larry Bird of the NBA. Like, that's what people say about Jack Harlow. So he's basically like the Larry, like, when you're the white rapper, you're the one that stands out if you're just good. But then you get elevated to they want to promote you because you're more appeasable to the masses. People, white people resonate with you like, yeah. 
like they make it mainstream type of thing. So it's always like white music reviewers always got to find this extra pushback to be like, oh no, there's just trash and all this shit. It's like, okay. And it's weird because I was listening to, there, there was a music reviewer, Sean, like in, I think there's certain that like Anthony Fantano with Drake is the same way like Sean C, who's a kind of like a music hip hop, music reviewer on YouTube is a Jack Harlow. Like no matter how good their projects are, or no matter how well universally liked, how most people are on the same page, they've always got to like, there's always this weird nitpicking that doesn't even seem like it's genuinely nitpicking the music. It is holding someone to an unnecessary standard where if someone that looked different made that same song or music, they would be much more accepting to it. So it's not really this unbiased, which no review or no music is ever going to be unbiasedly re- reviewed. That's unrealistic. But I think what you're going to see is what he says about that. The more you pay attention and stuff, like, uh. And I think people are going to start looking at these people like, who are you to be saying what hip-hop is and what isn't? Like, when you got people... And it brings up, you know... In that first song, Common Ground, he does mention a lot how it's pretty it's pretty open that uh it's a lot of you know suburban kids that are and it's not even white black exclusively, it's really suburban kids where they're listening to hip hop that has nothing that has no type of lifestyle that they would understand, but they find common ground in music, blah blah blah. And it's kinda ironic because a lot of suburban kids are going out of their way thrift shopping, for example. Buying things to seem appeared more cultured or to appear more it's like, oh, look at me. Like, I'm not like all these other suburban kids. And then what he kind of brings around is you, you are seeing people who are from the suburb, from certain lives, and they're trying... To deem like they are higher above not being a part of that. But then they are profiting off of it. Which is what they would accuse of white rappers. Or what they would accuse of people who are minorities in fields. If that makes sense. Because there's the whole thing about appropriation, right? And it, it's a real thing. Some people would say that Jack Harlow in a way. Like any white person in rap, for example. Or an R&B is appropriating. It's like, okay, so if you're a music reviewer and the predominant genre of music you cover is hip-hop and you're like Anthony Fantano, for example, your YouTube channel has a lot of views, makes a pretty good amount of money, I would assume. Um, Does that make you any better when your reason why you have the stream of income of revenue you have is judging music or judging a subject or judging a genre that you have no personal attachment to personally creating yourself. But for the most part, you judge and you critique and dwindle down someone's work of art, for example. And I think it does open a conversation when you start speaking about that. Sometimes people think like, look at me. I'm like, oh, look, I'm I'm one. I'm one of. I'm one of the ones you could be around and hang around. And re- realistically, you. 
actually the quite problem with what you deem to actually be the problem. And it's kind of this full circle irony that I think he tries to bring people's attention that kind of like, okay, I see you. Um, but yeah, I thought overall the album was pretty good. And I think one of the benefits of it being like a short album is I think one of the benefits, like there's two types of models. There's the Morgan Wallen where the last two albums he's done has been like 35 and 40 songs, wherever the fuck we're just, we're just going to put as many songs and it, not every song has to be the greatest song ever, and some can sound repetitive or whatever, but with this streaming type of business model, it's just about how many people, how many times will people just stream and play it on playlists and play, 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 and the more songs you have, the more album units and blah, 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 the more minutes, blah, blah, blah. So it's that where it's just like, hey, we're just going to put as much shit out and people just keep playing enough shit. Then we're going we're gonna to make our money and then some. Or you go the complete opposite, which is kind of what he's Jack Harlow's route, which he's kind of done with a lot of his songs, to be honest, with the exception of few. A lot of his songs are under three minutes. Um, any songs that he doesn't have features and stuff, a lot of them is under three, two minutes. He has a lot of those songs. Um, so one of the benefits of how like the songs go by so fast that like if you like it enough, you'll just re-listen because you can listen to one song twice in the span that you will listen to a four-minute song once. And it's not much of a personal investment. So a 24-minute 10-song album, you got to make the calculation. Will someone listen to this three to four times on the first couple days that it comes out? Compared to someone who drops a 45-minute, 13-song, 15-song album, someone may listen to that once or twice if it's if twice if it's really good. And it, some now people will skip through shit if they're not feeling the first minute or so. So I guess it's just really um yeah. It's it's interesting the type of model that you could put out and see what works. Um but yeah. Oh, jeez. I forgot my phone. Oh, Jesus. Taking a little break. Oh, my God. All right. We are back. You'll love that edit. You'll love that smooth, smooth edit. Um, It's the sweet one. It's the sweet one. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Clint. Um, oh, okay. So, um, earlier, I saw something that I didn't know was a real thing, but I feel like, okay, this this is kind of where we are in the world. So, shocker, I was at an establishment that serves coffee and donuts earlier, and I parked, and near the front door, there's this black car, but... It had like, you know, a side label on it. Like, oh, like kind of like a same type of graphic label like a police car. Like, fill in the blank police department type of thing. Typically, it was like a business that you would see on the side of a door. But there, there was a black car and I read it. And it said crisis management officer. Actually, I'm not even sure if it said 
officer. Because I wrote it. Well, basically, it was a crisis management police car, but it wasn't a standard police car. It was kind of like a crisis management. So I'm thinking like, okay, there's this car here. I'm at a Duncan. Did something, did a, is this like the type of hotline that you call when it's like a semi, not a real situation, but like, hey, I have a customer that's kind of disgruntled with me. He come here to make sure it doesn't get out of hand type of thing. We don't have to involve like the rail police. You don't bring weapons. You don't even have a taser. You just like have a big voice be like, hey, two scoops is the price of two scoops, bitch. Um, <laughs> um, kind of like a mediator to make sure crisis doesn't become more of a crisis. But of course, you know, I think they were just there chilling, not at work or nothing because they were outside on the patio, like four or five of them. And they were all wearing police. They were all wearing like police. I don't know how four or five of them fit in that one car, but it was like four police officers, like in full uniform in this crisis management car. But my thing is like, what the fuck is a crisis management? Like, so what, how do we as people determine what's kind of a crisis and what's like called a police crisis? Like, like how come there's not like these PSAs? How come there's not information? Like no one knows the crisis man. Do you call 911 and then they determine if it's like, Hey, the crisis management, you gotta go out there. Like, Hey, we need the real police. Um, because they were police officers, but is it like police officers that are like kind of in trouble on parole and they can't use the weapons because they incorrectly use them or some shit or they're being punished. So they have to go out and do the work that no one wants to do and deal with like, you know, isolated domestic or public situations that aren't really that serious. So it's kind of like a step down and a shot to their ego that they show up in a crisis management car. I don't know. Um... But I just kind of find it crisis management. How do we determine what is a crisis as a public citizen? Like, what if I'm in line and some lady loses loses her shit because she's been waiting in line too long? She thinks the line's moving too slow and she thinks it's because incompetence or employees are just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And she's getting frustrated and starts like looking around with her glasses on, puts her hands up like, oh, wait, can we get certain, you know, that type of cahoot. Um, Like what makes, like what determines that type of crisis? Is it if you're at home and, oh man, my dog bit my ankle. And then your fiance tries to say like, Oh, no, that was because he tried to abuse the dog. This sound, this starts sounding like impersonal. I don't have a dog. And nor, I would never abuse a dog. I would hit a cat before a dog. I should never say that out loud. I wouldn't really hit a cat. I'm just looking at a cat right now, and it's getting really close to my cords. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it looks back at me like, you damn right, bitch. Um, maybe you would have left the door open. It's like, you know what? You didn't want... yeah. Cats are such females. I swear to God. It's like, 
I had the door open for two hours and you had all the access in the world to use something and you didn't want to use it. Then the second I close it, when I'm in the middle of doing something, when daddy's at work, all of a sudden you will look at me and be like, hey, I want to use this shit. It's like, oh, really? You only had three fucking hours to make that choice. Well, too bad, too sad. You got to wait another nine minutes. Don't sniff my bag, you fucking weirdo. Um, she, sniffing, she's like, oh, really? You, you think you're playing games with me? All right, sorry, I got sidetracked. See, this may be a situation where the crisis management comes in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, crisis. Um, having a midlife crisis. Technically, it'd be a quarter-life crisis. Well, what, what determined, like... It's kind of weird to accept that if you're in a midlife crisis because you're basically accepting that you're halfway through life and you've already determined that whatever age that is, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was fat. Like now we just have all these different fields of things to call when shit hits the fan. And I think it's honestly, it's this culture of, Hey, it's cool to have multiple different avenues to get your shit off right it's oh if i'm not happy with this i'll call this or if I, and it's this we have too many options type of culture it's like you know what, if you got a problem call this or if you don't then deal with it yourself how about that that's kind of when i saw this because they were doing the same shit as the cops were would be doing because they are they're literally cops they just put them in different cars all right so, I don't know, crisis management car, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Woo! Uh. Yeah, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty whirlwind type of week type of life, I guess you could say. Not really. Um sorry, I'm not distracted. I'm actually my phone my phone basically restarts itself and it's kind of doing its own thing right now. Um but I think there was a you know actually I wrote this down like a week ago. I guess in this podcast, you know, spend the last six to seven minutes talking about I feel like every podcast, I should have like a relationship section since like everyone has relationships nowadays for some reason, for some reason, like it's not human nature to want to be compatible with someone else. <laughs> like, like I'm the one out here doing something different. Like, look at me, no bitches. Um, nah, but like, it's a very relatable thing. Even people that aren't relationships look at relationship advice or want some insight of how things like work and when you really take a look back and think of things it's you know i've been thinking because i've been watching a lot of weird stuff i ain't gonna lie i'm not gonna say what but my algorithm's a funny place and there's always these people that want to kind of convince you to just talk about the that when when they get into arguments, they always want to say 
we don't talk about our problems. But it feels like all we have is problems. It feels like every time we talk, it's always an argument. It feels like every time we talk, we're just talking about our problems. It's like, yeah. Because the reason why all we talk about is our problems is because all we have is problems. And I think if you ever get to a point like that with anyone in your life, regardless of what that capacity is, um, you should probably really take a step back and really be like, hey, do all I want in my life is problems? Um, I feel like if all you, I don't feel like everything should be said. I feel like if we always just actually said what we really felt about shit, I feel like we would all be unbearable to live with. And I think honestly, how we, how we would look at each other would be completely harsh. It would be cold and it would always be one foot out the door because I think it would be very, if someone told you what they really felt about things when they were unhappy, like n- no one would ever stay with that person because all you would hear would be, damn. So no matter what I do, if I do X, Y, and Z, they feel this and that. Like this is a constant way they feel. And no matter what I do, they can always find qualifiers to make sure that thing is what they always feel regardless of what I do or don't do. So there's this thing where people people always like to point out where if you're arguing a lot with someone, um, it's because you're not a good communicator. They always put blame on kind of like one person, typically on the guy, because guys, we typically don't, we're not great communicators about our feelings. We try to let shit go and let it be. But man, like when you deal with the weight of the world and you deal with the expectations that are upon you as a guy, and then someone wants you to come home, wherever that may be, and wants you to talk about all the pressure and problems you feel, I don't think a lot of people on the other side, whether that's your wife, your girlfriend, fiance, even a friend, a girl you may be dating, I don't think, I think it would be very overwhelming for them. And I mean that genuinely, because I don't think people really understand the pressure that they put on you when you're doing everything and then some, and then trying to do more to make more happen on top of that. But if one little thing you may slip or whatever, they'll be the first to remind you of that. Instead of trying to make your life easier. Um, and I think that's why like us do. We don't talk. Like even like we look at problems like the problems are what they are. And until they are fixed by me. They're not going to be fixed. Where on the other side it's. Hey how come these problems aren't fixed. It's like. Because I'm dealing with a lot of other shit. Including yours. Um, <laughs> It's the thing that. I think there's this indirect pressure that people put their stuff on you without realizing they put their stuff on you. But they're so unaware of what comes with them 
that it makes that pressure more emphasized of what you already have to make shit happen. And this isn't about me, but I've been in, I guess, not really situations like that, but I know enough about this stuff that I'm very experienced when it comes to understanding what I feel. And I'm starting to come to a point in my life where I'm starting to be really more honest with what I feel, regardless of how it may affect how someone looks at me. I think that's the main thing that we are afraid to be more honest with how we feel, not because we're afraid to be who we are, but we're afraid to, how is that going to make this person or any person view me and to deal with that? Is it worth dealing with that? I think at a certain point, I'm starting to get to that point in my life where I just don't give a fuck for better or worse. Like all my callous thoughts, my worst thoughts, my not giving a fuck, not caring, not being considerate in some ways. I'm starting to not give a single fuck. And I think it's a great revelation for myself to be like, hey, this is what I am. And I'm okay with that. And I'm being honest about that. And whatever problems you want to talk about, I know as a guy in this world, talking about your problems means absolutely fucking Nothing. Talking about your problems may make you feel better for the next 8 hours, 12 hours, maybe a day. But until those problems are either resolved, fixed, or actually actions been done for those problems to become less problems in the future. Honestly, I think talking about them makes it worse. Because you're re-inviting of how much of these problems really are there. Sometimes not acknowledging your problems is the best thing you can do. That sounds like quote unquote toxic or this and that, but talking about things that may be problems, but you don't really care to change or really care to talk about is just as honest as talking about something that just for the sake of talking about it. So I don't know if you have a lot of problems, don't talk about it. That's the moral of today's pod, the toxic men section. Um, the only reason why I'm stopping because all of this congestion from talking so much is getting to my nose. It sounds like I'm crying, but I promise I'm not. Oh, I was mucus. All right, that was episode 189 of the Off and Me podcast with Clint Nelson. I am your host. Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties, even if I'm in my Reese's Pieces Cup shirt. (laughs) If you get peanut butter on the inside, it's because you went a little too far deep. All right. Have a great day. Enjoy. Ooh, baby.